should say at the title, if you got the right outline, it should say the power of visions, dreams, promises, and faith. And um, interesting thing about visions and dreams, they're very much a part of most cultures of the world, especially uh, two-thirds world cultures. People historically and throughout the world pay a lot more attention to dreams and visions than we do. But turns out that visions and dreams are part of the language of the Holy Spirit, part of the language of God, you know. And so uh, he speaks mystically sometimes, maybe he speaks mystically a lot, I think, in terms of uh, communicating. Uh, certainly the Word of God's the simplest, right? And so I'm so happy that I have the Word of God, but it shows me how God does things, what he's like. And it turns out that hearing God's voice is a full-time occupation. You actually, I tell you, I, one of the big, my most wonderful discoveries is I don't have to wait till I sit down to read my Bible. I don't have to wait till I'm in church. It just turns out that God's speaking far more than I ever thought he was. He likes to talk a lot. I mean, about a lot of stuff, you know. As you begin to get to know him a little bit, it's incredible how much revelation there is in the world and how he's talking, right? And even when sometimes I watch the news, which is an amazing thing that I'm going to say right now, I can hear him talking, right? And uh, yeah, this could be pretty weird and discouraging, but I, 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 I'm just beginning to realize, uh, you know, the gospel means good news, but Jesus is far more good news than anybody could have ever imagined, far more personal, far more personable, far more approachable. And it just makes sense. If he shed blood for you, why wouldn't he be nice to you? If he shed blood for you and he rose from the dead and did all that for you, why wouldn't he talk to you? It doesn't make any sense, right? Why would he make it really, really hard when we have children, right? Do we want to make it hard for them to talk to us? No, we, we know in all our parenting manuals, communication is absolutely essential, right? So you think that's lost on God? <laughs> So there's no communication. What's the problem? Well, it's on our end, probably number one, because we don't know in how many different ways he speaks and how he's always talking, what he's always doing. He's always talking. He has all these various ways, too. And so in our culture, visions and dreams and those sort of things are a little bit unusual. And there's other ways that he talks through our circumstances and stuff. So I want to just talk a little bit here just as we start off uh, uh, from Proverbs 25, 2. And uh, on this general topic, and you'll see on your outline, receiving vision. So it says, Proverbs 25, 2, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Now, even though it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, that's just part of it. Don't stop there. Because to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And what's God's will for you? He wants you to be a king and a, pri a priest, right? So when you search out things, guess what? God's not up there sitting there hiding and saying, no, I'm not going to let you know about that. So I'm not going to tell you. That little thing there is a real, sometimes even when we fast and pray, sometimes we, we, uh, we hurt ourselves because we think, okay, we're going to add a little extra to it and then maybe God will hear me. No, he hears you right away, and this fasting thing is a part of worship to the Lord, and it, it certainly does enhance in some ways our experience with the Lord, but, but he's approachable, and that's really, really important, and we don't have to call, uh, climb tall mountains to hear him, right? And so he loves to give vision. He loves to talk to us through insight, sometimes through pictures, and it's the glory of God to conceal it, but our glory is searching it out because he's findable, not to search it out because uh, he's hard to get. 
No, he loves this thing called fellowship and connection. How many of you know that any relationship in your own family life breaks down when there's no more talking, right? Everybody knows that about marriage except most of the men. But, uh, but we know, right? It starts breaking down when there's no talking. And women are really good. They're intuitive. They know talking and relationship communication is important, right? Well, how about God? Talking to Him. Could that be important to the relationship? Turns out it's a very, very, very big deal. And uh, so our topic here today is, is sort of important. It's important, and I, I think maybe if I accomplished anything, maybe the best thing that I could accomplish is just to believe, get you to believe that, right? And uh, I want to look at Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not from yourselves, the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So these dreams and visions and promises help reveal what the good works are for us, what we're supposed to do, right? And so it comes in lots of ways. He uses the inspiration of the stories, commands, and promises of the Scripture to encourage us and inform us. That's why reading your Bible is so powerful. It's so powerful because it tells you what's possible. It tells you how God works. It tells you how God speaks. As a matter of fact, it speaks loads to you just by reading. He can just come to you. How many of you have ever read that passive scripture, all of a sudden you feel like you're reading your entire life there, right? Or run across one. Or God reminds you of something about a scripture about a certain thing to help guide you, right? So he uses the inspiration of the stories, commands, promises of the scriptures to encourage us and inform us. That's why scripture readers are very powerful at listening to God's voice. Read your Bible over and over and over again. Because when you do, um, I make it a, a discipline, but when you do, you, you, you see possibilities. You see the way God works. And when you understand how He works, you then can hear Him better in certain areas. You, you get insight of as all these stories and how you know, they weren't very smart there, or they weren't listening over there, or they listened, or how God wants to work, right? Visions and dreams are also part of the language uh, of the Holy Spirit. And that one's sometimes a tricky one for our culture a little bit, although I think our culture is changing fairly dramatically. But visions and dreams um, are a critical part in the Bible layout. And if you read your Bible, you'll see this, right? I just want to do what the Bible says. When I see the Bible, I see all kinds of dreams and visions and all kinds of things like that, right? How God's talking. And so as we talk about the very first Pentecost where the Spirit's being poured out, look what he says. He says, Verse 17, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I mean, isn't that weird? Here, here, here we go, look. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So he says, first of all, he says, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. That's the first thing he says, right? <laughs> and he said, second of all, what's happening here is from the prophet Joel. So he's pre preaching out of the Bible, right? He's talking about the Bible. He said, this is fulfilling something that was prophesied years ago, right? And so he says, this is what's happening now. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, it's very interesting to me. The Spirit gets poured out, and He starts talking about how God wants to talk. Right? Isn't that interesting? First thing out of the hat, He says, we're not drunk. <laughs> God wants to talk. And here's what He says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. In other words, you'll be inspired by the Spirit, and God will talk through you to another person. Your young men will see visions. You're going to see things. You're going to have uh, pictures in your mind. I'll tell you, visions are such a powerful way to hear God's voice. Just pictures in your mind, sometimes very dramatic pictures. You know, 
In a picture, you, you can communicate so much in just a short amount of time, right? Visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So evidently, prophecy, visions, and dreams. Like this is the very first sermon that's preached. The Spirit's been poured out. And this is what he starts talking about. Hey, look, I'm reconnecting with you all. I'm pouring my spirit out, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to see, you're going to see visions. You're going to dream dreams, and so on and so forth, right? Even on my servants, and he says, this goes for men. It goes for women. I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. In other words, they will hear my voice. They will speak my voice. They'll even say what I'm saying to other people by prophesying. I mean, I just think that's weird. At the very first thing, very first sermon, first thing, first thing he says out of the hat, Spirit of God gets poured out. The entire redemptive history of humanity changes. And he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In other words, God's talking, and he wants to talk through you and use you to even speak to other people. But God's available, right? I just think that's amazing. Abraham was shown a vision for his life. When he believed it, God credited it to him as righteousness. And uh, this is, uh, I want to just read from Genesis chapter 15, our forebear here. So God speaks to him. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. You're, I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain a childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. When the word, then the word of the Lord came to him. I like that so much. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Now here's the key thing. All right, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, okay, right now, Abraham, yeah, he was a great guy. And I mean, you know, we, but think of it, if you're Abraham, and you don't have any kids, You've been barren all this time. And God says, you're going to have kids. And uh, you know what? Listen, Abraham, you're going to have so many kids that, uh, guess what? Uh, look at the sky. Count the stars. That's how many you're going to have. I mean, from a guy that's gone from barren, no kids, and in that culture felt completely cursed and isolated, he says, you know what? Your kids are going to be like the stars of the sky. Now look, at, here's the key thing. And this is the key thing with regard to hearing God's voice for us. This is the, this little verse. This is why God loved Abraham so much. This is why he became like this cornerstone of the faith. He did this. God spoke to him something utterly and comp completely impossible. I just feel like I just stopped. All right. So what is impossible to you today? Maybe you came in here feeling that impossibility. No job, no health a broken marriage, a broken family, and just put yourself in this situation. And then God appears and says, you know, after all these years and all that shame and all that pain, I'm going to fix it, right? Well, where were you five years ago, ten years ago? Where were you when all my relatives kept making fun of me and saying I'm cursed? And where, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Ooh, we got to get rid of that. Where were you? We've got to be ready to hear God's voice any time. And the voice comes. And yes, here's, what, here's why Abraham became the father of all who believed. Because in that moment, with all that barrenness, and all that trouble, and all that trial, and all that pain, and this promise comes to him, and guess what he does? He believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. In other words, and he set the stage for everything else. Abraham heard from God. He believed him in the promise 
and God made it, it was righteousness for him. And it's the way we get saved and delivered today. We believe in Jesus. Something snaps on the inside. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we're justified. That faith internal work. But don't let it stop there, because in this case, this was an incredible word that was coming, and everything hinged on whether he would believe that actually he would have kids and he would be blessed. Everything hinged on our redemptive history and this guy believing. (laughs) And God looked across the entire world and found this one guy, after all that barrenness and pain, that would say, yes, I believe. Can you get that and apply that down to your own life? Wow, what is it that you're having a hard time believing for? And if the best news comes and a prophetic word comes, or God shows you in a scripture, God gets somehow and tries to speak and He speaks to you, are you going to be one that's ready to believe? Or are you going to go, oh, I'm just too disappointed. I just, sure, you know, sure. Well, okay, if you say so. Ah, so right there. Many people want to hear God's voice, right? But they got to learn to believe. They have to learn to receive. Even a faint voice. Even something remotely positive. Anyway, you might be through filtered by the time it gets to you. You can barely hear it. But this responding is so important. We see it in the life of Abraham. And when he believed, he, got on, he became God's man. Actually a redemptive person for the rest of an entire family line, resulting in Israel and then right down to us, the body of Christ. God takes us on various faith journeys and assignments to fulfill the visions and promises He has for our life. And I like to think of it that way. Slowness of heart can cause you to miss or delay the plans God has for you. Right? And so there's some diligence on our part. And um, I like to call it faith journeys because um, I think that a lot of hearing from God and um, is, is a journey that you take with Him. You know? And think of it that way. We always think of it as a point in time, but think of it as a journey that God's doing with you. He isn't just doing the thing that you need to hear His voice on, but He's taking you along an entire pathway for your life, right? And so Hebrews 6, verses 10 to 12. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence at the very end so that what you hope for may be realized. Listen to this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Well, that's an interesting thought. So sometimes what we think is just depression or discouragement or, well, I guess he's not interested in me. It's just simply laziness. We don't want to put the effort forward to believe even when it looks like maybe things are against us or looks like that might not be possible. We don't want you, isn't it weird? Of all the things he says, says, we don't want you to become lazy, (laughs) right? But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And so I like to call these journeys, right? They're journeys of faith that we take. Proverbs 13, 12 says, A longing fulfilled the tree of life. But before you get to the tree of life, sometimes we just go on these trips with the Lord. And I've been on many journeys with the Lord. They're faith journeys. Many things, you know, just walking along in my, my life. You know, various things when you're younger with school, various things that were important about being married or about this journey. You name your journey. What journey are you on today? I'll guarantee you it's going to take faith. And if you believe God... Through that journey, you're going to get better at taking journeys with the Lord. 
I like to say taking journeys because I never know exactly, especially when I don't have what I need or I haven't heard from God about a certain thing. It may take me a while before I get it, right? And I've learned something about God. If I am determined to hear God's voice about a matter, what he'll do is he'll throw a little hint over here, throw another one over there. And it's like I'm going down this road. Yeah, you said that. Now, oh, oh, I see. Oh, oh. Then I go, oh, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, there we go. There it is. It's like one of those paths, you know, they're sort of like mountain paths that are, you know, you, it's there, and then it isn't, then it's there, and it isn't. That's the way life is with regard to journeys and hearing the Lord's, hearing God's voice. So what we want is a big fat bullhorn. Lights, ding, 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 ding. Do that. Turn left right now. He ain't like that. I wish he was sometimes, but actually it's a beautiful thing. You know why he doesn't do that? Because he's drawing you out, and this little thing called faith is always involved. And he wants you to be like him. And he just works your faith, and he exercises your faith. And this faith thing is very powerful because it's supernatural, right? And as you get the hang of it, you realize hey, I don't care how big this thing is, I can do it. And also he builds your faith muscles up to hear God's voice. So you start hearing him in little things and obeying, and then you start pumping the weights, you get stronger, and pretty soon it's preparing you for the big stuff. So I, I believe that uh, this has worked this way for my whole life. And um, in the, our church right now, there's some big stuff coming. I mean, there's been some big stuff coming this, since the COVID thing hit, right? But we've made some incredibly large decisions. I mean, decisions that were risky, decisions that have like really stretched us. We just started a school, boom. Like within a year, it was up. But it just took so much risk redoing facilities and rebuilding our stuff, this entire campus, and you know, just right on the tail end of a pandemic and all the rest of it. And it's for me, even in the middle of the pandemic, God said, put your foot on the accelerator. And I'm thinking, I'm go man, I'm going a little too fast. I don't know, this feels a little lonely. I don't know. I felt him telling me to go faster, not slower. So I went faster. I mean, we did. We went fast, fast, fast. And the, the warehouse went absolutely nuts. Our worship went absolutely nuts. And we started doing, uh, the, it gave us a chance to do the, the television and the uh, all the other ways. I mean, we just started doing all kinds of things during this time when we're all supposed to be hiding in the COVID little closet thing, you know? Wow. And and I thought to myself, oh, man, man, am I being, oh, man, because I, I felt God was pushing us, pushing us. I felt the wind behind me, but I'm thinking, man, this is irresponsible. Am I being irresponsible? Please, God, am I, please tell me, tell me. And he just said, nothing. Just. And then I think about halfway through, I started getting an attaboy. Good job, good job. But I went quiet. You would think I'd have like a revelation. I kept thinking I need a dream or maybe I need like some like, I mean, because that time was, you know, everybody was hibernating. And I didn't feel like we should hibernate. I felt like it was a great opportunity, you know. But I thought, man, I, I must be, man, I'm really, then have to go, then have to tune into the Calvary Chapel guys and get all pumped up again, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and some people I don't usually wake because they were like, you know. But that's what I was hearing. That's what I thought we should do. This is where I thought we, sh we, we should go, right? And uh, 
And so sometimes, you know, the direction God has you, you're, you're going in a different... But reason why it's so important to be trained and to learn to believe is because in the smaller things do you learn to believe God for, then when the bigger things comes, you don't panic, you don't freak out. You learn to believe for those times too. So God builds your muscles. And so it's important that we learn to hear God's voice, but it requires some diligence on our part, right? And, and He wants to take the slowness of heart out of us. I like Proverbs 13, 12. I believe it says, A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And boy, I tell you, that's nothing more true than that, right? Vision releases joy and holiness into each person's life. And I, I just want to just say that, give that word about vision. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great... This is Hebrews 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. So when we get vision from God, it brings joy, but it can also precede suffering, right? Isn't that weird? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring the shame. So many of you parents know what it's like to sacrifice for your children because you see a joy, even, you know, to send them to college or whatever, you'll do anything. And I tell you, one good thing about our area that I so appreciate is there's a lot of sacrificial parents that really want to do well with their kids. And they, they spend time and money and energy working so hard, 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 right? And uh, that's, that's a good thing, right? But vision is a critical thing in, uh, to help us, right? And, and so Jesus, because of the vision he saw, he saw us, then he was able to endure what he had to to fulfill the will of God, which meant he heard the will of God, he did it, and it was a joy that helped him get through it, right? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would release joyful visions here. Some of us have them, but we're a little tired, and we wonder if we heard God after all. Lord, I just revive every vision that's been flushed away, has been given up on because we're depressed or discouraged or overwhelmed. May the joy of that vision return to you. May you see it again. Maybe you got involved with a job, you know, and you thought it was going to be this way and it became that way. You had a vision for what maybe you should be doing in that, but it didn't seem to turn out that way. Lord, I pray you'd restore their vision, that original thing, and help them find that joy again and and help them if they have to persevere. But most importantly, they need to know they're on the right track. So, Lord, I just pray you give them the joy of their vision back, even when the whole circumstances looks bad. I'll tell you what, when you have a joyful vision, it does not matter what the circumstances are because you have a secret and you and God are going to work that thing out, right? That's what Jesus did. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw it. Lord, may our vision be clear. May we see the thing out there, even if it's hard right now. Keith, I keep building your house. That house is special. You've had so much warfare over this crazy thing, but that's going to be a place of refreshing. I can see now what you're going through. The enemy's been trying to prevent you from doing this. It's going to be a blessing for many, many people. You keep going. God bless the authorities in your city. They are ruthless. I pray, God, you'd bless them. And I just pray you get her through this in Jesus' name. All right, that sounds like a simple thing, but she's building this house, and it's in a real important place, and, boy, she's being challenged on every side, but that's her vision right now, and the joy before her keeps going. 
I just feel led to do this. If some of you, your heart's desire was to start a business, and it's floundering a little bit, or maybe you're just getting started, but you just need this joy, stand up wherever you are. I want to ask God to bless you. May the Lord put a joy before you with this idea you got, this thought that won't leave you alone, this desire you have in your heart. May God just put joy in you. May He speak to you and give your joy back. So when you're enduring and you're processing and you're going through the hard times, may He get you right through that in Jesus' name. May joy be set before you. I release an impartation of joy today. May God help you to hear and see the vision all over again. And I want you to see the joy of it. And uh, my doctor friend back there, the PhD with the healing ministry, I'm telling you right now, look, you are supposed to help people with pain. You keep pressing on and you don't stop till you get it done because you're a genius, frankly. You're a genius. Your husband knows it too. You're a, you're, a, you're a genius. And everything in the world keeps coming against you. But you have the keys to people's pain. There's a lot of people in pain that won't be one by the time you're done. So I just declare that. May that vision just come alive again in you. May you see the goal, the possibility that so many people, hundreds and hundreds of people, could live pain-free now in Jesus' name. May God just raise that up. And you that have visions in other ways and want to take your business and do this and do that. You young ones. We're just starting out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord release encouragement and strength to you. May you help you see your vision all over again. And uh, this girl over here, what's your name again? I can't remember your name. Celeste. So Celeste, you are an entrepreneur. You can do this. And you keep f- fooling around over here and you're fooling around over there, but you're going to hit a sweet spot sooner or later, and it will be the business that you were made for, and this joy is going to come, and God's going to help you. And you will be self-supporting. I know you're a single mom right now, and I know you'd rather probably be married and all that, and that can happen too. But I want to just tell you, for your business, I tell you, in our area, it's really nice to have a business to go along with that marriage, right? And prospering and doing well for your child. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. And everybody else that's standing up, you just, Lord, I pray everyone that's standing right now, and the ones that should be standing, they're sitting in their seat. I don't know why you're sitting in your seat right now. May the Lord speak to you and give you vision for your life, for what you're supposed to do. May God put your health in you and, and, and give you a new insight and, and give you a new direction if you need it. If not, if you just need to get through and persevere, may the Lord give you perseverance to get through for the joy set before you. May you endure whatever pain you have to. And may you come out of the other side a winner in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I don't know why I'm doing that. I didn't mean to do all that. Okay, fine. So on 1E, a dream or a vision can be an invitation to partner with God. Abraham is a good example of how we respond to God's invitations and promises for blessing. Now, I mean, gosh, talk about an example. Lord, I don't even know if I want to follow Abraham's example exactly. Because what did, what did God say? He gave him this incredible invitation. It's the most beautiful invitation in the world. But look what he says. I mean, he says, but Abraham says, you know, God, I, I can't. Uh, he says, uh, God says, I'm your shield. This is uh, Genesis 15. You're very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what, what can you give me since I'm childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You've given me no children, and so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up, at the st- look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring bring. Now, oh my gosh. 
So can we get this? This is a really big deal. So, so shall your offspring be. He's saying, you know, the guy can't have one child. He can't have one. And he says, look at the stars. That's how many offspring you're going to have. Okay. If you've got enough barrenness in you and you've been in a problem long enough, it's sometimes so difficult for the word of the Lord to come like that and for you to make a change internally, isn't it? Hey, you guys have made a change. You guys, you're my heroes. You kept persevering and you're getting to the other side. What's the name of your country? Namibia? Huh? Namibia? Namibia. But there's lots of crazy metal and crazy stuff that you know about. And I just got a feeling that somehow or another you guys are going to connect with that. And I know your husband's working his tail off trying. But God got you through this three years or however long it's been with the kids and the whole thing and the hospital and everything. But may the Lord set this, the joy set before you. May you endure this cross. May you get through. And may you find not only healing for your child, the new one that's born, but also may God give you grace. May you never have to worry about money anymore. May God help you. May He put finally put all the pieces together that He's been trying to put together for months and years now in Jesus' name. And He's pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. But I pray a breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I'm singling you out. So be like Abram. He believed the Lord and He credited it to Him as righteousness. You know what? You get the righteousness and when the righteousness comes after that, guess what? The blessing follows. So something happens internally with us. We get a hold of what God's saying. We believe that God wants to help our children. We believe that God wants to heal our child. We believe that God wants to bless us financially. We believe it inside. We do all the things that we need to do to make sure that happens insofar as dependent on us. And then we watch God move on our behalf. That's sort of what we're talking about here, right? So it starts, though, with a vision. It starts with a dream. It starts with hearing God's voice. That's one thing I do like about our area. We are a community of dreamers. If you live in another part of the country, you'll see. So I've lived in other parts of the country. And this place, when I first got here, I thought, this is the biggest bunch of entrepreneur, dreamer, like everybody's like out there going. And I thought, and I thought, man, I don't know what the, wow, I kind of like this place. This is pretty cool. Wow, this is amazing, right? And that's, uh, it's in our culture. So we got a lot of other crazy, stupid stuff in our culture. You know that, right? But we do have a whole bunch of entrepreneurial, exciting, always looking for something new, innovating, inventive people. That's to our credit, and it works really, really well with God. That's why I love our business community here so much. It's just that uh, our dreams, we just got to stay tenacious and not give up, right? Receive the vision. So if you look at Roman number two, cultivating the field of dreams, visions, and answered prayers. Visions grow in the soil of being other-centered. Not interesting. So while you're pursuing your own vision, you can't do anything better than to be other-centered for the success of what is yours. Why? Well, here's one. Give and what? It shall be given to you. How much will it be given to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You think you might be able to apply some of that to your own vision? I, I think so, right? A life's tale of problem solving for others causes visions and promises to grow in our own lives. Jesus is our greatest example, right? The promise had to go right through the cross, right? For the joy set before him, what? He endured the cross, right? 
So when we cultivate this field of dreams, visions, and answered prayers, we have to understand that they grow. A lifestyle of problem solving for others causes visions and promises to grow in our own lives. In other words, we're givers. Lessons from Joseph, right? Potiphar's house, prison. He becomes the master of Egypt. But here's the important thing, and I won't read all those passages because many of you are familiar with the subject of Joseph. But so Joseph is one of the most fascinating people, you know. He gets sold by his own brothers into slavery, right? He ends up at Potiphar's house, but he makes the best of it, and he starts prospering. Everything this guy does prospers. And then that guy's wife does him in, and he ends up in the bottom of a dungeon. You would think, well, I guess I'm done. Forget it. I'm not doing anything. But he becomes the ruler of the dungeon. He rises up. I'm, he's the main guy in the dungeon, and everybody knows. And he has these dreams, and they come to pass. And finally, when it comes down to Egypt having a crisis, the guy that was in the dungeon with him remembers him. And guess what? Here's the thing that I love the most about the whole story of Joseph. And many even know this story. So he goes in uh, to Pharaoh's presence, and Pharaoh needs his dreams interpreted. Now, if I were him, I would like wilt through the floor. I would freak out, because if I don't get the guy the answer he wants, I'm going to spend some more time in the dungeon. He might just cut my head off. Right? He says, tell me your dream. Bold. Guy tells him dream. Well, this is what it means. Dun, 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 dun. And by the way, if I were you, I would do blah, 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 blah. Now, okay, you're in a dungeon. Like, how do you have, like, the presence of mind, like you've been in a dungeon? How I many, was it a nice dungeon with, like, a swimming pool and maybe a jacuzzi, you know? And you're just, it's a beautiful place, you know? Oh, my goodness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I had a great night's sleep. Uh, what, what's, on, what's on your mind, Pharaoh? No, he's in a dungeon. It's the pits. But when the time comes for him to step up, he's ready. I think it's a picture of our time. I think it's time for some of us to step up. Right? I think it's time for the whole body of Christ to step up. We need to take hold of the education. We need to take care of our own businesses. We need to get our own economy going. We need to flourish, to grow, and prosper. And we can flourish and grow and prosper. Also, like Joseph, though we have, you know, and oh boy, I tell you what, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, but look, please, just stop complaining. Ah, oh, the government this, government that. I don't know. Some of you are addicted to complaining. You get on your television set and you watch that, and I think you get some kind of cathartic whatever by beating up like the Democrats or whoever it is, you know, and yeah, give them hell there, you know. And then you go to your own job and your own life and you wilt like a little, like a little flower. Just <laughs> the least little resistance comes up or whatever. And if the challenge to, I can't prosper in this, the, they've ruined the economy. How can I prosper when they ruined the economy? Oh, they did. They ruined that economy, but not our economy. Joseph said, look, you got this problem, Pharaoh. There's a disaster coming. I want to let you know. The Pharaoh goes, oh, really? Well, oh, I'm so grateful you said that. What do you think we should do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Right? Do this, 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 this. Can you imagine he had the presence of mind to do that? That's what we need. We need the presence of mind to, to, to do that, right? Because he could hear God's voice. He's, do this, do this, this. And he's thinking, he's very sneaky. Well, where are we going to find a guy like that, you know? <laughs> you better find a guy. I'd find someone, if I were you, to administrate the whole thing. Pharaoh says, hey, I got an idea. Let's have him do it. Whoa, how can that be? 
I mean, I don't think it's every day that they take a guy in the dungeon and makes him like the second in command of all of Egypt. And this is exactly what I'm talking about, cultivating the field of dreams, visions, and answer prayers. He cultivated that even though he was in the bad spot. While he was in the bad spot, he wasn't in the bad spot. Mentally and emotionally, he was just in the bad spot. But he, inside, he, inside he was free. And I'm going to just say this about prayer. Vision, this is C, is carried along by prayer. Answered prayers are directly tied to a life of integrity toward other people. In other words, asking with the right motives. And I just think this prayer thing and, and uh, this thing called prayer, we always want to do so much, but we forget this uh, lifeline we have with God that's so incredibly significant. And uh, I'm looking at uh, 1 Kings 3, 5 to 15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. <laughs> Holy cow. Solomon asked, I'm talking about being promoted all at once. He answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and, give, and given him a son to sit on his throne every day, this, this, sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, may... My God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great nation too numerous to count in number. So give your servant a discerning heart. Now, think about it. He's right there before Almighty God. He's saying, what do you want? <laughs> he doesn't say, I want wealth, I want this or that. He says, I want a discerning heart. I want to do a good job to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Wow. Wow. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God asked, said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and ministry and justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be any, so that there will never have been anyone like you and there will be there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among kings. Wow. And if you walk in obedience to me and my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a great feast for all his court. So God's making him this offer. And again, it's not what you would think. He says, ask for whatever you want. He says, you know, I want a wise and discerning heart. I choose you, God. I choose you. And God says, all right, all the rest is yours, right? Isaiah 58, 5 to 11. I want to just look at these verses for a moment. Because it turns out that the, our attitude and our, our motive and our internal workings and what we're desiring has everything to do with our outside stuff, right? And uh, so if we want visions, dreams, and promises to be fleshed out, there's some things that I think we see in these passages that are so dramatic. Like Isaiah 58. You see... Uh, I believe that the prospect for our church is great. I believe that we're going to do well, always, financially. And you'll see why after I read this passage. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves, only for bowing one's head like a reed, or for lying in a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not the, this the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free? See, uh, 
That's our business. I want to see our church do really, really well. But one of the core things we got to do is that's us. That's what we do. And it takes supernatural power to do it. We don't have to feed people. We get to. We don't have to pray for the sick or house them. Or Mark Wally, it's so nice to see you. Oh, my God. Not many people that get hit by a train and live to talk about it, man. Mark, stand up. It's amazing you can stand, brother. But you're not only going to stand, you're going to walk and you're going to run. And we're going to play golf again. And you're going to beat me just like you always used to. I mean, you're, you're going to be, beat me into the ground. Yes. As you beat me. But you never really would want me to beat you. It would be too embarrassing. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, heal him all the way. God, he's been to hell and back. And now he's back. We want to thank you for him, Lord. We pray, God, you would completely deliver him from this physical thing that happened, Lord. And I just thank you for his recovery and his courage and his faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, completely deliver him from this, and may he be a sign and a wonder. And, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus who to make him prosper now more than ever before. I pray, God, you take hold of his business life and every part of his life, and he would prosper and do well in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I think you're a sign and a wonder. We got another one that's a sign and a wonder. His name is Dan Brewer. Lord, I pray for him too, Lord. Back from the dead. I told him that he would, he would be dead. Uh, and he's alive. Lord God, he's alive. Lord, thank you for the privilege of housing and taking care of. Now, Lord, restore him physically, completely and totally. In Jesus' name. All right. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free? Isn't that our first business? And that we should, we should all be about. Isn't that our main job? Right? To set the oppressed free and to break how many yokes? Every yoke. That's our job. That's what we do. But I tell you, listen, there's a little secret here. There's a little secret. If we'll deal with the homeless, if we will deal with the broken, if we will put our energy and time into the poor of the earth, guess what? On the other side, you cannot, absolutely cannot give, uh, uh, outgive God. It's not our job to share our food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? But look what you see. When you do all of that, guess what? We don't have to handle the poor. We don't have to take care of people. We don't have to go down to the, 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 the simplest person that's in that riverbed over there and offer some food. We get to. Because you know what happens then? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's what you get out of that kind of lifestyle. And listen to this. How about some answered prayer? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help because you've been helping. And he'll say, here I am. Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talking, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. 
The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Whoa! We don't have to help the poor we get to, and it's a little messy. Sorry about that, Jonathan. We're not the cleanest person on Laguna Niguel. God bless us. And we have, you know, lots of weird characters roaming around. It's just like, whoa, man, we're doing we're, we're trying to be as orderly as we can. But I'm telling you, I don't see how, you know, there's just a lot of crazy people running around. But it's worth it because this is how you cultivate the field of dreams, visions, and answered prayers. So I want my kids to be educated. I want them to do well. I want them to blow the lid off a test. I want them to become successful business people. I want them to prosper financially. We do go forward in every possible way. But the key to it right here is maybe just take a little concern for these sort of people because you know what? If you do that, guess what? Your light starts rising. Your night becomes like moon, moon day. The Lord guides you always. He satisfies your needs in a sun scorched land. That's a pretty good deal. I think that's called success. So it's interesting the direction success takes, isn't it? Right? All right. Well, I've said twice as much as I thought I was going to say. A bunch of that's not that's usual for me, right? So let's just take a look at uh, Cornelius here for a moment. Acts 10, 30 to 33. So the first Gentile that ever came to Christ, the fir- I mean, came to God, the first one that God included. Look at this guy. The one that starts the whole Gentile, the reason why everybody's here, <laughs> this guy. So Cornelius is like the enemy, right? He's not a, the, he's like a Roman, right? But look what happens. A guy shows up, an angel, and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your what? Gifts to the poor. Send the Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, lives by the sea. So I sent for you, he's talking to Peter. Immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So this is the guy that the Lord chooses, shocking the whole Jewish church, shocking everybody to Gentiles are in. But this is what he's doing. He's praying and remembering the poor. That's what he's doing. And that's what qualified him on the, to be this hinge in which the whole thing turned. All right. Well, we're talking about hinges. You know, I want to be a part of the answer to our culture. I mean, even to the politics. I would just love to stand in front of the president and give him my entire vision of how he could heal the land. But let's just start where we are. Let's do this kind of work. And actually, out of the dungeon, out of these weak places, the Gentiles were despised by the Jews, isolated completely. No, they don't have anything to do with redemptive history. But we keep doing this. We'll become a part of the redemptive history of our nation, our country. We'll hear God's voice clearly. We will know what to do and all these things. And not only just for the whole country, but for your own life. Take some active interest here, cultivating your own dreams, but in the context of doing the key things in Scripture, the key things for the weak and the broken, and expend yourself this way, and God will cause you to rise. 
He calls you to be the head and not the tail. He'd be like Joseph. There's a Joseph vision of waiting for the church. And if we get past our bad politics and all the crazy things and start putting our hand to the real uh, issues of our day, put our heart into the broken and the beaten and the drowned hearted, God will raise us up. He'll give us the businesses we need. He'll give us all that we need to succeed and do well. He'll make us the head and not the tail. But I don't want to go jump into the whole complaining pool and everything and become all da 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 you know, and like, okay, well, there's a place for um, money raising for politics and all that. But I just think God, the church has us, God has us on a different path, individually and corporately. And I just think these are some of the things that God wants. The question is, if you look at D there, am I good news? We live to give and we give to live. And so the last part of this says patience and vision. Visions, dreams, and promises are invitations, but faith is required to bring them to fruition. And so that's what we've been talking about this whole thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but there's these paths we go on, and it takes a little bit of of strength. It takes a little bit of courage and and, um, uh, moxie, right? But here's the thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, that's a very nice scripture. That's one of the most dangerous scriptures in the whole Bible. Without faith, it's impossible. He's got. That means you're going to be put in compromising position. That's when you're going to have to go for it. You're going to have to risk. That means you're going to have to step out. You have to do things that you're not comfortable doing. Because without faith, it's impossible. Please, God. Oh, that's a very nice passage. But what that means is like you're going to be uncomfortable. Because I just don't fall into that category all the time. Sometimes I have a lot of faith and I am comfortable. But there's a lot of times when I'm just not comfortable. Matter of fact, I want to just tell you the last 10 years... Oh, it, hadn't, it seems like 10 years. How many years have we been in this whole crazy time? It seems like 30 years. But anyway, I have been anything but comfortable, right? In one way. But another thing, way, I think the weather is outstanding for us. We're doing stuff I always wanted to do. Costs a lot more than I thought it was going to cost, but it's a blast, right? But it's the fact that without faith it's impossible to please God. It's taken faith for us to get there because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I'm telling you, we've been getting rewarded over and over again. I've watched so many of your lives. And if you haven't got a part of the reward part of this, I just pray that God would show you soon because when you leave these kind of lifestyles we're talking about, there's just so much reward. There's so much blessing. We don't have to have a warehouse. We don't have to do all this crazy stuff that we do in the school and all that. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. We don't have to. We get to. It's our greatest privilege. But there's also a payoff in the end. And God will never, never let you down. Give and what? It shall be given to you. What? Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. Sometimes that takes a little patience, right? Visions, dreams, and promises are invitations, but faith's required to bring them to fruition. Patience is actually another word for faith. It really is. Patience. God tests us with visions and promises. In the end, we receive our hopes and dreams and are changed in the process. Oh, my goodness. i just say this and as I get to the close here. Um, when we pursue God's stuff, He has this unique way of changing us in the whole process, right? And as you pursue this, these, these steps and you, you step out in faith and we begin to exert this sort of faith uh, before the Lord, like, like Joseph we start chasing visions, dreams, promises, and faith. When you really go out a hold of a live vision, a live vision from God, there's all of this crazy stuff that goes with it. So what we need to learn to do is don't worry about the pain, the trouble. It's part of the whole glorious picture. God, here's a key thing. 
Without faith it's impossible to please God. That's one of the most crazy, dangerous scriptures of the whole Bible. Memorize that scripture, but man, I'll tell you, if you really think about what that means, you go, oh my gosh. You mean, I want faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Now what is faith going to require? It's going to require you to like, be hung out to dry for a while. It's going to cause some uncomfort. But you know what? If you get the hang of it, even when you're in discomfort, you go, well, you know, I've been here before. No problem. This is the greatest thing and the greatest gift that COVID gave us. We just kept plowing through, you know? And I, I tell you, I feel so confident. Okay, so what else are you going to throw at me? We went through all this. You know, okay, we're ready to go. We're battle-hardened. You know, I'm sure there's other things that will try to knock our block off or whatever, whatever. But okay, fine. But greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We're going to be all right. God proved it then. He's going to do it again. For you that have got quite to the proved part, may the Lord bless you and get you to all the way through, all the way back. And then after you get all the way back, there's another thing you'll face. <laughs> but a good thing. But it matters. Make, make sure your vision's good. If it's all about you and selfishness, and, but if it's about God, something you want God to do, something I want God to do through you, man, that's a whole different thing. That's fun. It costs, but it also pays off huge dividends in every way. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But then there's also, every time we take a step of faith into something God wants, there's also this, this stuff, right? And it's okay. But there is a time when a promise is made certain. It's not just always flapping out there. And uh, God even says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 13, He's faithful and will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when he, when you are tested, he will provide a way of escape. You know, I tell you, I think this is what, exactly what we've been through. So what I want to emphasize as we close now is I just want to emphasize pursuing things for the Lord, in the Lord, walking with God in vision, stepping out in faith. God wants to bless you and provide for you and help you. But don't worry if they're in the midst of trouble or trial. It's all part of the process. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, you just see how God treats His guys. He gives them this genius idea, redemptive idea, blessing idea, and then they go straight down. They press the elevator to go up and they went down, but then they come up the other side. And coming up the other side is absolutely glorious. Even now I can see in our congregation many of us are coming up on the other side of all kinds of things. It's amazing. But for you that haven't quite come up on the other side, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord fill you with His presence. May God give you courage to keep pressing, keep forward. May God give you the dreams and the desires of your heart. Those dreams He put in you. May you just keep using those for God's glory. May you keep pressing into things that you know will bring God glory. May you be a shining example. May you be a kingdom and a church of Joseph's. Jesus name. Why don't we stand? Amen. I uh, as I was speaking, I kept seeing the word transaction. And uh, transaction, you know what transaction is? You put the money in, you make a transaction. I think there's some heavenly transactions that God wants to make while He has your attention today. Transactions. One of the transactions would mean to leave the depression and the heaviness and the doubt and the confusion. Just set it aside for a while. 
and ask God what he wants you to do. And ask God to give you the strength and the wisdom for the next step. And I would say even beyond that, maybe the second step would be, let's ask, let's ask for a vision from God in our businesses, in our families. Let's ask for wisdom. And it may be costly, it may be risky, or it may be just something you need to pursue, but in the process, you're going to go through this time where there's maybe a little bit of desperation, but you can do it. You can do it. Some of you are already in that desperate place, and I'm just going to ask God to provide strength for you. And others of you have been complaining way too much and need to let that baggage go. You need to let it go. Because God wants to do a new thing today. He can initiate it right now. Right now. Bad marriages, bad families, bad jobs. You name it. Bad living situation. God. So, if you would like to do a transaction with the Lord today, and uh, why don't you just have a bonus to come right up here? Just come up here. You're not gonna. We're not gonna put you on this spot. You just do something. Just tell the Lord what's on your mind. Let Him clarify your vision. If you need to say sorry, say sorry. <laughs> I just think that the chance of having resuscitated vision, businesses, resuscitated ministries revived marriages is absolutely possible and probable today if you just respond to this word because I could see God speaking to all of you a number of you and I know a number of you where you've been and I'll tell you what when we got to the Joseph part you could identify right you know what it feels like to be Joseph maybe we could have some ministry team just circulate a little bit and pray for people if a person is, I have some of the ministry team just stand up along the front. Could you do that for a minute? Because I think it would be good for people to agree in prayer. I probably should have called you up first.